Welcome to the Lighthouse Podcast. We are so glad that you have tuned in to be blessed by the Spirit and the Word of God. Hi, I'm Alan McMillan. I'm the senior pastor here at the Lighthouse, and I hope that you are blessed beyond measure with what you hear through the Word of God. Check us out at our website at lighthousekpt.com and connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at LighthouseKPT. It would be our joy to get to know you better. Amen. We talked about the covenant and uh, Sunday. We spoke about the covenant. Well, this evening, I want to talk about outside of your salvation, outside of your covenant with the Lord. I want to talk about some principles tonight. I'm not getting into to marriage, per se, in this Western society. So, husbands and wives, you can be comfortable and at ease. I'm not going to dig in and get to, to meddling. Uh, but I am going to deal and talk about the Jewish wedding. The Bible says that the Lord came not to do away with the law, but he came to fulfill the law. In every aspect, time would fail us. He fulfilled every aspect of the law. He fulfilled the ceremonial parts of the law of sacrifices. Uh, he fulfilled that. Matter of fact, the, the word of God tells us that uh, the nations will be judged. We will be judged on the word of God or by the word of God. And what's interesting is every one of the New Testament writers that we read, the only scripture they had to prove the deity of God, the born-again message, the covenant relationship, the water and spirit covenant was the Old Testament. The Bible says that they will be judged by the word of God. So throughout this message tonight, I want you to understand that the Old Testament typology of the Jewish wedding is a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ and his bride. We are his bride. And what's beautiful is when you are born again, as the apostle Paul says, he said, I have espoused you. When you are born again, there is a guarantee. You are put in not just an engagement process, but you are put into an espousal. You are, you are just waiting on the return of the bridegroom to receive you and take you back to Father's house. And so we're gonna talk a little bit about that tonight. Say, preach the word. I receive the word in Jesus' name. All right, you're gonna help me tonight. I would appreciate it very much. Let me talk to you a little bit about 11 key steps, terms, phrases when it comes to uh, the Jewish wedding. And, and we're going to go into, uh, into depth uh, with these steps in, in just a moment. Number one, there is the contract, the contract. And uh, uh, you can say contract or you can use the term covenant. There is a contract. Number two, there is the bridal payment, all right? The bridal payment. Let me make room for my notes here. There is bridal payment. Once the contract is agreed upon by both parties, there is a price that is paid. 
Then there is the ceremonial ritual cleansing bath. After payment is accepted, there is a mikvah that comes with the ritual cleansing of both the groom and the bride separately. Then after these three processes, we move into the engagement process or period, which is called the betrothal. And at this point, the bride and groom are betrothed. They are given to each other. They are, in fact, in principle and in part, married. The final aspect to take place is that of the ceremony and the sealing or the consummation of the marriage. Then you have, number five, the period of waiting. <clears throat> Someone say waiting. Just keep that in your mind because that's where we're at today. We are in a period of waiting. And then there are parting gifts. Before separating from one another, there is a parting gift that the groom will give to the bride. It is almost a, a pledge. It is a, uh, a better way maybe to put it in a term that we would understand. It is a down payment saying, I will return. <laughs> then after this is the uh, waiting period, another waiting period while she waits, the bride, for her groom to return. And then when he returns, there is the wedding procession. The groom comes from father's house because Father has determined that he has made an acceptable place for them to abide. Then we find the consummation of the marriage where they go in together into the chamber and the purity of his precious bride is presented. And then there is a feast, a wonderful feast, a time of celebration. It's called the wedding feast. Matter of fact, the book of John declares that Jesus on the third day was at the wedding in Cana of Galilee. This is that time of celebration where it lasts for a wonderful week. Then there is the final presentation of marriage. And so those 11 aspects, if, if you didn't get them, uh, come up to me tonight. You can write them down or you can go back on the, on the live stream. There's a very interesting point that I want to make uh, before we move into the realm of the wedding. I want to talk to you about the role, and I've mentioned this just briefly, and I can't take a lot of time with this this evening, but just briefly I talked to you about the utmost importance of the operation of a special office called the friend of the bridegroom. This was a legal representation of the groom's interest. He was left uh, behind in the groom's stead that he would be there close to the bride and her family. He would be there teaching her the things that uh, the groom possibly in the wedding contract, he would go over it meticulously. He would look at it. He would make sure he would read it over. He would remind her her obligation it's a covenant. Somebody say a covenant. He reminded her of her obligation. Every day he would remind her what 
the agreement was, how she was making herself ready. He would remind her of that. And the friend of the bridegroom had the power and the authority to call off the wedding, to make it null and void. He gave a representation or a report back to the groom. Bring that into the Bible. The term friend of the bridegroom is used in the Bible in one very specific situation. They talk about uh, the fasting and they talk about uh, that of John the Baptist being the one and some spiritual disciplines and John the Baptist says, I am, I am not he. I am not, I'm not the Christ. And he begins to tell them, but I am the friend of the bridegroom. And this is validated. The, the word of God gives us a validation of the friend of the bridegroom. And the friend of the bridegroom, John the Baptist's ministry was to make ready. That was John the Baptist's ministry. And so he was the friend of the bridegroom. He was making ready for Jesus Christ and his ministry. You and I today have a friend of the bridegroom. The Lord has given us an overseer on this earth. He has given us someone to look over the covenant. He has given us one to observe the covenant and to teach us of the covenant of what the groom is looking for. And number one, first and foremost, that is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit serves in multiple purposes and we'll look at that tonight, but more in depth, the friend of the bridegroom operates in the form of the five-fold ministry. The five-fold ministry, Aaron and his four sons represent five, the priestly, uh, priestly number of five, which is translated today into the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And all five of these ministries should be operating in a local assembly or should be brought in to operate or should be active, an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And the friend of the bridegroom reminds us of the covenant, reminds us of what is expected, reminds us of what the groom wants. Ladies and gentlemen, it is of utmost importance to attach yourself to a Bible-believing, preaching church. It is utmost importance that believes in the Spirit of God, a man of God and a ministry team that operates in the Spirit so that the friend of the bridegroom can tell us what the groom is expecting. Amen. And that we can make ourselves ready. All right, let's talk a little bit about these, what I had mentioned to you. The contract. Let me talk a little bit about the contract. The contract or the covenant. From the beginning, there has been a covenant or a contract that was given. The Old Testament, God dealt with individuals all the way up uh, to Abraham. He dealt with individuals. Uh, but at Abraham, he said, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And with Moses, he, he dealt with a nation, with people, with a kingdom or a group or a governmental system. And in these governmental systems, uh, he gave contract, he gave uh, responsibility, he gave covenant. And in the Jewish wedding, the covenant or the contract is given. The Bible declares to us that the Father made a covenant with Israel and he let them know that there was even coming a new covenant. Hallelujah. 
The Bible says in the Old Testament in Jeremiah chapter 31, you can read this, verse 31 through 34, God says, I will make a new covenant. Someone say new covenant. I will make a new covenant with Israel. I will put my law in their hearts. Oh, hallelujah. The Lord gave us an illustration, an example, a word. He wrote it in his contract. He said, there is a day coming that I am going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel. And that new covenant came through Jesus Christ. And that new covenant is now no longer is the law written on tablets and Ten Commandments, but now I write my law in your heart and I take away that stony heart and I give you a heart of flesh and I will write upon that heart my laws and my covenant. Ladies and gentlemen, thank God that no longer do we have to keep the 613 commandments. Thank God that we are living under the dispensation of grace or we're living under a new contract. As the bride of Christ, when you accept the contract, you are part of that covenant relationship. Next was the bridal payment. There was a payment that was going to be made for the bride, something that would purchase that love or that commitment of that bride. In the garden, Satan thought he had just messed up God's plans. God's beloved Adam had fallen and uh, lost his status of authority and, and Lucifer really thought he had done something big, but he did not understand that God had a new covenant that was coming one day and there was sin that came through one man but the Bible says just as sin and death came through one man, life came through one man, Jesus Christ, hallelujah. And so the, we know the scripture, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. I tell folks that the sun represents life and, and really if, if you read it and you, and you presented it properly, it would read more like this or it'd be represented more like this that God had one life to live. There's something called the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the Apocrypha. I won't tell you much about that. There's something, uh, it, it's, it's, there's some different writings. The, the book of Jude uh, confirms it, that there is a book of Enoch. The book of Enoch, Enoch prophesies before he is translated that in the last times that the eternal God of glory would leave his throne and walk among men. He would show us a better way. This is God having one life to live. It almost sounds like a soap opera. One life to live. And that life was through the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. And through that one life, you and I can have everlasting life. The bridal payment for you and I was given. Ephesians chapter one. Let me read quickly, please. Verse seven through 14, Ephesians chapter one, verse seven through 14. We're talking about the bridal payment. 
in whom. Now, when it says in whom, we know who that's talking about. It's talking about Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. In whom? Jesus. We understand that. We have redemption. How? Through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace wherein we hath abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Then in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one. Now hold on a second, verse 10. God, in the dispensation, the fullness of times, he might gather all together in one. He might gather together all of the covenants in one. The Bible declares that all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on the earth, even in him, this is covenant. We read at the, uh, the scripture Sunday that there are three that bear record in heaven and there are three that bear record in earth and these are the principal agreements of the covenant and they are one in Jesus Christ. And when you are part of Christ, the covenant is fulfilled in him. Look here, verse 11, in whom? Who? Jesus. Also, we have obtained an inheritance. We're talking about the bridal payment, being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom, in who? Jesus, in whom ye also trusted. After that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom <laughs> also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest or the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. That's a lot of words I know and I understand. Let me break it down to you. What was the bridal payment? What allows you and I to be part of the bride of Christ? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The ultimate gift was Christ on Calvary, but he has sealed that gift. He has given a little bit of a down payment. He has given an inheritance. The Bible calls it the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. And when you receive the power of the Holy Ghost, that's the husbandman saying, I'm coming back. I'm coming to get you. This is a down payment of my sincerity. Oh, hallelujah. Anybody got that spirit tonight? Anybody got that spirit tonight? It's a down payment. Hallelujah. I don't want to get ugly. I don't want to get, I want to keep it very, I want to make it the word. And I don't want to be ugly 
uh, telling you, you know, this and that if you don't have the Spirit of God. But the Spirit of God is the down payment. It is the earnest. Uh, the most strict of the uh, definition is 10%. Now, honey, you think we have a good time down here? I mean, after about 30 minutes of a worship service, I'm tired. And I think to myself, Lord, at best, this is 10%. What in the world is the other 90 going to be like? But you listen to this guy tonight. Part of this covenant contract is the blood of Jesus sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it shall quicken your mortal body. I don't know how to say it. I, I want to be so kind. I want to be so sweet. But on that getting up morning, at the first resurrection, at the trump of God, if it ain't in you, you ain't getting up. It's the spirit of God that will quicken your mortal body. If you don't have it, you're gonna lay in that grave at least another thousand years until every human being at the general resurrection stands before the Lord. But let me tell you why you ought to desire to be filled with the Spirit. Because when you're resurrected, my Bible still says that the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be called up together. Now, that's exciting. Aren't you glad you got the Holy Ghost? This is the power of that theology and once again, I'm as sweet and I'm as kind as I can be. The power of that theology comes in the next statement. And so shall you ever be with the Lord. If you don't make it in the first resurrection, you've got to stand between us and Almighty God and the books are open and he's gonna separate the wheat and the tares, the sheep and the ram. Honey, I don't wanna take that chance. I wanna be filled with the earnest of my down payment. I want to be sealed. Give him glory. High five your neighbor and say, you got to have it. Oh, you got to have it. Hallelujah. Next is the ceremonial bath. I know this is so easy. Let's just keep going. I know this just makes so much wonderful sense. Next is the ceremonial bath. The bride and the groom is baptized, but the groom is baptized first, and the bride is baptized second. Did you ever wonder why Jesus, in Matthew chapter three, verse uh, 13 through 17, did you ever wonder why Jesus came to John the Baptist? John the Baptist recognized spiritual authority. Jesus said, baptize me, John. John said, not so. I'm not worthy to baptize you. I'm not even worthy to even unleash, unlatch your shoe. But Jesus said something without going into too much detail. He said, John, just do it so that all righteousness. What he was saying is, John, the groom's gotta go down. 
I've got to be the example and I've got to go down because soon and very soon in about three and a half years, the first 3,000 of my bride is gonna take on my name and we've got to go through the ceremonial washing. (laughs) Jesus was baptized. I want you to read these scriptures with me. Acts chapter two, Jesus was baptized. That's the groom. The church must be baptized for purification. We must be baptized. How is that? Acts 2 and 38. Then Peter, would you, would you say it with me? Can y'all see that? Can you see it? Because if you can't, we're going to help you. We're about to get a big old 12-foot screen by 6-foot tall right back here. Son, it'll be like him. It'll be like them rides at the amusement park. You'll think you're on a roller coaster up there. All right, would y'all read that with me? And Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? Acts chapter eight, verse 16. Philip, how much time I got? Oh, I'm good. Lord have mercy. That clock says it's 10 after 4 back there. We're in good shape. Church hadn't even started yet. Philip was preaching revival in Samaria. You know, the Bible, Jesus said in Acts 1 and 8, you're going to receive power, Holy Ghost. Preach the gospel. Jerusalem first. Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts. Here's Philip preaching in Samaria. Brother D.W. and I talked about this this week. Here he is preaching the gospel. But who did Jesus give the keys to? He gave them to Peter, but here's Philip preaching about Jesus. The Bible said they had great joy. Read it. Just because you've got great joy don't mean you've got the Holy Ghost. Bible said they had great joy. They were happy. He preached about Jesus. They were baptized in his name. They felt so good about it. They got baptized, but the Holy Ghost had fallen on none of them yet. Why? Because Peter has to be the catalyst for all three groups coming into the kingdom. And the Bible says, for he had not yet fought, speaking of the Holy Ghost, but they had only been baptized, how? In the name of the Lord Jesus. Acts chapter 10, verse 47 through 48. This is every preacher's dream. Peter preached it on Acts 2. The Jews received it. He went in, uh, in Samaria. I didn't read the scripture. I apologize. He and John went to Samaria. Peter laid his hands on them. They were filled instantly with the Holy Ghost. Here he is to the Gentiles in Cornelius' day. Every preacher's dream. While Peter is preaching, they start speaking in tongues. <laughs> They get the Holy Ghost. And then Peter says something very interesting. Can anyone withhold water for baptizing? For these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. You read the remainder of that scripture and they were all baptized. You gotta be washed, folks. Acts 19, let me read it quickly. Verse one through six, I'm gonna go quickly. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. And there he found some disciples. Verse two. And he said unto them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now for those of you that believe the theology that soon as you believe and accept Christ, you receive the Spirit, this scripture gives you some trouble. Because the receiving of the Spirit is a second and a distinct act. 
Just because you confess the Lord and believe on him doesn't ensure that you've received the Spirit. Have you received the Spirit since you believed? And they said, what? No. But wait a minute. My church told me that when I accepted the Lord as my Savior, I received the Holy Ghost. The Bible says, no. No, we have not even heard whether there be a Holy Spirit. Verse number, look at verse three. Very poignant question, relevant today. He said then, how were you baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. John's baptism is a baptism of repentance. Verse four, please. Paul said John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. Look at verse five. On hearing this, what happened? They were baptized. How? In the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse six. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. How do we know? Because they began to speak with tongues and prophesy. Ladies and gentlemen, you have a contract, you have the bridal payment, and then you have to be washed. And when you and I are washed, it happens in that water, calling on the name of Jesus. Next is a betrothal. Those who receive Jesus become part of an engagement, or they become part of the church. When you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 14 and verse 27, I'm only going to talk to you about verse 13. It's a powerful scripture. The Bible says, by one spirit are we baptized into one body. When we are betrothed, ladies and gentlemen, we are engaged to one man. We are engaged to one body. That is in Jesus Christ Verse 27 tells us that we are the body and we are members in particular. You are engaged. When you take on his name, when you are washed, you become part of the marriage contract. You are the bride and your bridegroom is coming. Next is a period of waiting. Somebody say waiting. waiting. Jesus ascends into heaven. We read it in Acts Chapter one, verse number nine, the angel tells them that he will return in verse number 11 in like manner as you have seen him taken up. But he tells them to go and wait because he is going to prepare a place for them in Father's house and that he in John chapter 14, look at John 14, verse two and three, Jesus tells them, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I've got to go. But where I am, he's telling them, I'm gonna come back and I'm going to get you. When that place is ready and when that place is prepared, the groom is going to come and get the bride. The groom is not released. The father will not release the groom to pick up the bride in the Jewish wedding until the house is looked at. The place prepared is looked at. And when Father gives him the thumbs up, he's allowed to go get his bride. I wished we could see into heaven. I wished we could hear what was happening in the heavenly. I don't want to make more of it. I don't want to, uh, to fantasize it. I don't, I don't want to make it something that it's not. But, but I believe in our heart. I believe you can feel it with me 
that just about, pardon me for making it carnal, the last piece of sheetrock is just about hung. The painters have just about finished. The finished guys are just about ready. That house is just about prepared. And when he says it's time, he's going to come and he's going to get his bride and take us to that place that he has prepared for us. Do we still believe that in this day and age that Jesus is coming after a bride? He's coming after a people who has made herself ready I still believe it I still believe we ought to watch and pray I still believe we ought to make ourselves ready oh hallelujah then there is a parting gift as he's leaving most of the time if he brings it that's fine but most of the time it is brought back after the caravan is left it's brought back by a servant or it's brought back during this period of waiting. It's called the parting gift. And before leaving, we understand that Jesus is sending his spirit back. That's what he told them. He said, go to Jerusalem and wait on the spirit. That spirit is the seal. It is the down payment that he would return. I've read it to you out of the book of Ephesians. It's the seal of promise. That's why they're in a 10-day prayer meeting in the upper room and you flip your Bible's page from one to Acts chapter two and it says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, the bridegroom had just went up into heaven. The groom had just went up into heaven, but he had to give a parting gift. And he said, go wait in Jerusalem and I'm gonna give you that gift. Acts two and one. Ladies and gentlemen, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they're in one house, one place, one accord, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Oh, hallelujah. That's why Peter said about 30 verses later, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. You know what he said? He said repent, get in the covenant, get in the covenant of Jesus. He said be baptized, be mikvah, get ready for your groom and receive his down payment. Oh hallelujah. During the waiting period, the church awaits Christ's return. She is to be ready and to make herself ready by keeping busy and preparing herself such as by obeying the commandments of the Lord. Look at me quickly. I'm on my last page. I got just a a few sentences left. Matthew 28 and 20. Uh, I'm gonna, uh, uh, guys, I'm gonna read 28 and 20, Ephesians 5, 27. In 2 Timothy 2 and 15, all right? Matthew 28 and 20, teaching them to observe all. That's the friend of the bridegroom. That's the overseer of the covenant. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Would you look at 
Uh, Ephesians 5 and 27, please. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. We are making ourselves ready. Would you look at 2 Timothy, please? Do your best to present yourselves to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. We as the bride are making ourselves ready. And soon there's going to be a wedding procession. After the period of waiting is over, Jesus will return to take his bride. Many call this the rapture, a catching away of his church. A messenger or an angel will shout according to Matthew 25. Can we pull up Matthew 25, please? Verse number six and verse number seven. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Look at verse number seven. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. Do you have oil in your lamp? He's coming, lady. Look at your neighbor and tell him he's coming. Anybody play that game as a kid, uh, that old game, hide and seek? After the, after the person hid and they counted all they had to count, what would they say? Ready or not? And if you wasn't ready, <laughs> you was in trouble. For 2,000 years, the bride has been making herself ready. Tonight, there is an overwhelming spirit asking you, have you made yourself ready? Have you washed your garments have you trimmed your lamps? Is there oil in your lamp? After the wedding procession, there will be a consummation. The Bible tells us that the church will be taking away secretly veiled. I've read Thessalonians 4, 13 and 17 about the Lord coming. But we will be united one with Christ in our resurrected bodies. Please look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let me read verse 50 and 57 quickly if I can. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Look at verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be who has it. Changed. Verse 52, please. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Verse 53, for this corruptible body, let me read it in KJV, must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. Verse 54, when the corruptible puts on incorruptible and when the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Verse 55. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Verse 56. The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. Verse 57. But thanks 
be to God Woo! who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Have you been buried into Christ? Have you been born again by his name? He's the only one that's going to give you victory over the natural death and over the second death. Glad I've been born again. Then there's a feast, y'all. Ain't you glad about it? Praise the Lord. I don't know what kind of vittles they're gonna have there, but it's gonna be good, I bet. But I do know this, that one part of that marriage feast, you know what's so amazing? Is that marriage feast, that celebration lasts for seven days. Isn't it interesting that during the tribulation period, it's a seven-year period. Isn't it interesting that we are celebrating with our precious Lord? And he gave us an insight about that meal when he told his disciples about the Passover. I will not eat it again with you until we eat it anew in the new kingdom. I know one thing that's going to be served there. It's going to be the full revelation of the body and the blood. The body of Christ. The full revelation. The consummation of bride and groom will take place at that wedding feast. Revelation tells us a little bit about that feast. Look at Revelation 19, verse 7 through 9. Would you stand with me? I am finished tonight. Revelation chapter 19, verse 7 through 9, and then we're going to read verse 14. Verse 7, let us rejoice, exalt, give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride, that's you and I, folks, has made herself ready. Look at verse number eight. It was granted her to be clothed with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteousness, the righteous deeds of the saints. Verse number nine. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Look at verse 14, please. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. I do not want to kill your theology. I, I would hate for you. You know, folks, I've had the, the number one thing I've had people leave church over is the view on pre, mid, and post-tribulation. It's such a shame, something so trivial. But I want to give you a revelation. The armies of heaven that are going to come and do battle against the Antichrist and his armies that are gathered against the nation of Israel. Those armies are already in heaven. They've been there. Read Revelation 19. We've been there celebrating in a marriage feast. The bride has made herself ready with white linen, which is the white, which is the, it's not angels in it, is it? It's the righteousness of the we're already there, y'all. We're already there. The Bible tells us to comfort one another with these words. The wedding ceremony is a beautiful prophetic type of God and his love for the church. Shows us his plan for a Messiah. To date, he has filled and fulfilled the ceremony perfectly and will complete the typology in the same way. 
when he calls us to that marriage supper. But here's where I'm ending tonight, if you'll give me just a couple of moments. And this is sincere. Matthew chapter 25. I want to show you a principle and a revelation. Matthew 25, verse 1 through 13. I'm going to read it in the KJV, if you'd like to follow along in the KJV. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go and meet him. Then all those virgins arose. They trimmed their lamps. But the foolish said to the wise, Give us of your oil. For we have no, it says their lamps are gone out, but ladies and gentlemen, they never had oil to start with. But the wise answered saying, Not so, lest there not be enough for us and you. But go rather quickly, go rather to them that sell it, buy it for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. They were ready. They went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut. And afterward came also the virgin saying, Lord, Lord, open. And he answered and he said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. If I could be as kind and as sweet to say this final statement. I know we talk about being born in the name and that is so important. Being born in the name is of utmost importance of the covenant. But to seal the covenant, it takes oil. To seal the covenant, it takes the Spirit. And if you've never been filled with the Spirit, I've read you the Scripture. Feeling joy and being happy is not the evidence of the oil. Look what the Bible says. The virgins, even the ones without oil, were virgins. They were pure. That tells me they believed in Jesus. They believed in the bridegroom. That tells me they believed that he was coming back. That tells me that they believed. I submit to you that after the rapture of the church and when all hell starts breaking loose, this facility and many around this city will not hold the influx of people. They'll be knocking and banging and breaking the doors down. They'll be trying to buy an oil that was in abundance. But when the bridegroom calls, there's no more time for oil. The five foolish, please catch this revelation. The five foolish, they never even had oil. They never had the Spirit of God. Just as important as your baptism is in the name, so is being born of the Spirit and keeping your lamp trim. Would you just lift your hands with me tonight and thank the Lord? Would you just thank him that you're part of the bride tonight? Come on, would you thank, just give him praise. Thank him for being water baptized. Thank him for being spirit filled. Come on, would you cry out to the Lord just for a moment. Father, thank you for the oil. 
I'm making myself ready, Father. As the bride, I'm listening to the friend of the bridegroom. Father, I'm making myself ready. I want to present myself to you as a chaste virgin, God, pure and white in the robes of your righteousness. And Father, I've been buried in your name. I've taken your name on and there. The seal of the spirit of promise has been upon me. I've taken oil in my lamp, God, and I pray that you help me keep it trimmed, Lord. But Father, I pray tonight for those that are not just the hundreds that's here, not the great crowd that's here tonight, but I pray for the one that's watching. God, I pray for the one that's watching that maybe has never seen a necessity of your spirit or never seen a necessity of the evidence of your spirit. I pray to that, the Bible does not criticize the virgin. The Bible calls her a virgin. She's kept herself the best she could. The only thing that she was lacking was the oil. God, I pray that everyone under the sound of my voice has washed themselves in your blood and has been filled with your spirit. And that your oil flows through their veins, God. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that today's message has blessed you. For more information about Lighthouse Church, check out our website at lighthousekpt.com. You can also check us out on all social media platforms at lighthousekpt. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the most recent content from Lighthouse Church. Thank you all. Have a great day and God bless.